0: This episode of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com/galaxy and entering the promo code GALAXY.
1: Wired.com presents The Geek's Guide to the galaxy. And here is your host, David Barr
0: Kirtley. Hello, and welcome to episode 167 of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. Today on the show we'll be discussing the new sci-fi channel shows Killjoys and Dark Matter, both of which were just renewed for a second season. And this will involve spoilers for season one of both shows, so just be aware of that. And I'm joined by two guests. So first up, we've got Andrew Liptak. He's the weekend editor of io9, and he also co-edited the anthology War Stories, New Military Science Fiction. His reviews have appeared in Clark's World, Kirkus, Lightspeed, and Tor.com. And his article, Killjoys and Dark Matter Trying to Bring Fun Back to Space, Here's How to Do Better, recently appeared on io9. So Andrew, welcome to the show. Hello. And also joining us today is Raphael Jordan. He's written 23 feature films that have premiered on video and cable television, including Lost Colony, The Legend of Roanoke, The Immortal Voyage of Captain Drake, Star Runners, and Vampire Nation. One of his films, Yeti, was the Sci-Fi Channel's highest-rated original program of 2008. So, Raphael, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. And we have a sponsor for today's show, so that's very exciting. So, today's show is sponsored by Casper Mattress. As a geek, you're probably annoyed that sometimes you have to stop using the Internet, whether it's to go to the bathroom, give birth, or appear as the defendant. But thanks to Casper, mattress shopping is now one less thing that will tear you away from your computer. So if you need a new mattress for your home, apartment, or bomb shelter, just visit Casper.com today. You won't have to interact with any puny humans, and the mattress will get shipped to you in a box that's the size of a mini-fridge. Then all you have to do is open up the box, pull out the mattress, and watch as it naturally expands to its full size. It's sort of like, honey, I blew up the kid except with a mattress instead of a kid. If you want to see how it works, just head on over to YouTube and type in Unboxing Casper Mattress. And while you're there, check out the raccoon stealing the cat food, because that's just hilarious. Casper Mattresses are made in the USA, and are so comfortable that if you get abducted by aliens in the middle of the night, you'll probably just sleep through the whole thing, and you can't put a price on that. But speaking of prices, it's $500 for a twin-size Casper Mattress? and $9.50 for a king-sized one. You have 100 days to try it out, and if you decide not to keep it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. So if anyone out there needs a mattress, you should head on over to casper.com galaxy and use the code galaxy when you check out. You'll get a $50 discount, and Casper will know that sponsoring this show is a worthwhile thing to do, and that will help us to continue bringing you new episodes. So again, that's casper.com galaxy. Okay, and so as I mentioned, today on the show we'll be discussing the new sci-fi channel shows Killjoys and Dark Matter. If you haven't seen them, Killjoys is basically a show about bounty hunters in space. And Dark Matter is about a starship crew that wakes up from cryosleep with no memory of who they are. And since the characters in Dark Matter don't know their names, they just refer to each other as 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, in the order they woke up. And now obviously I'm a big fan of these sorts of science fiction shows set in outer space but it seems like we haven't had too many of these in recent years. I think Battlestar Galactica and Firefly were the last ones I really watched. So, Andrew, what do you think about that? Do you agree that we've been in a drought with these space-based shows, or are there some other more recent ones that I should have been watching?
1: Well, what, one of the really good ones that I, I liked was uh, Stargate Universe, which came out a couple of years ago, and then it only lasted for a couple seasons, but it was sort of the last hurrah of the uh, Stargate franchise, which ran for a long time. Uh, but yeah, but for the most part, there hasn't been a lot of... Uh, space-based shows although i think um sci-fi has tried getting back into the game a little bit with defiance even though that's not really about space
0: uh, i haven't seen it What it, it does some of it take place in space or what how does it work
1: it's it's basically a space opera um it it takes place on earth it's uh what it's about is it takes place in this sort of post-apocalyptic earth where a whole bunch of alien races have come in, down uh escaping from their own star system. And I don't remember exactly what happened in their star system. They, it was There's some, some reason why they left, and they came to Earth. Um, and there was a big war. The whole Earth was sort of half terraformed and changed, and now everybody's sort of trying to get along and um, sort of making their way. And uh, it all takes place in this little town called Defiance which was over old St. Louis, and uh, they get up to random adventures. And I, I only saw the first season, and I, I haven't really gotten a chance to catch up on it, but it was interesting. It didn't quite catch my attention like Killjoys or uh, Dark Matter did.
2: Well, I definitely feel like um, Defiance was the first step in the right direction for sci-fi after, like you said, several years of doing mostly you know, Earth-based sci-fi shows or non-sci-fi mm-hmm. shows entirely. Um cuz yeah, you know, it's it's crazy to think that, you know, a decade ago between Sci-Fi Channel and other networks, we had, you know, Farscape, Firefly, The Stargate, you know, all the different incarnations of that, even Andromeda, you know, <laughs> the old Star Trek Enterprise, and there was a lot. Um and then uh, yeah, after Battlestar and Caprica, and then all of a sudden we just had nothing for a few years. Um and then yeah, so basically once Bill McGoldrick took over at Sci-Fi, I think he started shepherding in uh, an attempt to get more back to space and science fiction. And uh, Defiance was definitely a good first step. You know, they also uh, tried with Ascension last fall, which I really liked. Uh, I was kind of disappointed it didn't get greenlit to series, but uh, it was a good miniseries.
0: Do you want to say a bit more about that? What, what happened in Ascension?
2: Um, Ascension was, I think, t- <laughs> Ascension is a hard one to rate, honestly, because I enjoyed it, but I also felt like it was a massive missed opportunity. Um, I think it had the best premise of a series I've ever heard of. Basically, you know, in in the 50s or 60s, you know, when the Cold War threat was looming, we sent a generational ship out into space to save humanity in case we all died, you know, just to make sure someone survived. So basically, you know, they're traveling to a nearby star system, and it's going to take 100 years, and the show picks up 50 years into the journey. Um, I think that's fantastic, you know? Uh, So I was super amped to see it. And then the show is not exactly what you think. I'm not sure if I should go into spoilers or not. <laughs> I mean, I guess it aired a while ago, but some people might still be enjoying it on Netflix. Um, so I don't know. I mean, did you guys see it, either one of you? I did. So what do you think, Andrew? I mean, am I wrong? Like, it, it, I kind of feel like it was entertaining, but at
1: the same time, I felt a little
2: deceived and
1: disappointed. I really liked the twist, and I i don't know, I think we should spoil it. but um... <laughs> Okay, sure. So basically, the twist is that they actually didn't go out to space uh they were on earth the whole time, and um they're there. but they are there for a reason they're basically they're sort of like an incubator for a larger test and the the first three episodes were actually sort of almost like six episodes it was there were two really lo- there was three really long episodes, and they had a lot of promise they the acting was pretty good the the set was fantastic um and oh, they had yeah. a great sort of conspiracy vibe going. And then it ends, it, and they basically, they ended it about ha- the halfway point, and they didn't quite get a lot further on. Um, the, there's a really pretty nasty cliffhanger, and it just ends. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that
2: cliffhanger, because here's the thing, it's like the evolution of while you're watching the show. You're thinking, well, they're in deep space, 50-year journey so far, great. Then all of a sudden you realize, wow, they're actually on Earth, and you're disappointed. But then that is interesting. Because then you have now you're watching what's going on outside the ship as well as what's going on inside, and the show works on that level too. But then the cliffhanger is basically the girl does have some kind of interplanetary, interstellar transportation or teleportation power. Yeah. So okay, <laughs> I I mean I would kill to know where the show was going to go after that, but I guess we're never going to know.
1: Yeah, I, I really want to see what the end game was, and I, I just don't, I I don't know what they were planning on doing uh, just it just it sort of just ended <laughs> i'm a little annoyed about that
2: yeah it's like the last shot is uh the guy is on a different planet and he has no idea how he got there and just cuts to black it's like wow
0: okay <laughs> oh man uh well let's talk about a show that, some shows that are going to two seasons uh killjoys and uh, dark matter so do you guys know anything about where these shows came from like who developed them how they came to be anything like that
1: well, Killjoys came from um, another existing sci-fi show. I want to say Haven, but I don't think that's it. Um, but there was an existing show with a, a bit of a franchise, and the the, uh, the showrunner there just took it over, uh, basically created a whole new show. And uh, that's where that one came from. I don't know where Dark Matter came from, although it's from the same people who did Stargate.
2: Right, right. Yeah, uh, Joe Malazzi, Paul Mully. Um I yeah. like those guys a lot. I mean, I loved Stargate. It's probably one of my favorite franchises between the, yeah. the three shows. I think and yeah, was- that was a
1: basically a comic book that they
2: turned into. Yes. A- yeah.
1: yeah, I haven't read the comic, but um, yeah, I, th- I think that was it's weird because there are two shows about two crews on spaceships in this weird part of space. And, um, you know, they're, they're not connected to one another, but they're they're both sort of running at the same time. Uh, so it's it it nice to see that just sort of double whammy right at once. Absolutely. And I think it's
2: just really nice, I mean, to have Sci-Fi Friday back, you know, like, yes. uh you know, because like I said, a decade ago, you could watch Farscape, Stargate, Lex, even if you remember that one, you know, it was it was great to just be able to tune in and see space shows on Friday night. And now we have that again. Um It is interesting, too, that like the two shows. Like you said, they they are completely apart, but they could cross over. I, I joked to David about that recently. I thought, you know, you've got bounty hunters on one side and fugitives on the other. If they don't cross those over at some point, it's almost criminal.
0: I actually saw a lot of uh, comments online from people who wanted to see them crossed over or merged somehow.
2: I mean, a Flash and Arrow can do it, I don't see why not. <laughs>
0: hmm.
1: yeah, and they're, you know, they're, they're from different companies, though. so they're, they're, One's done by space. I think the other one's done by sci-fi. And they they did talk recently after they were announced that they were doing a second season they the showrunner for Killjoys was saying that they you know they chatted a little bit about it but I don't think that was serious or anything but it was there yeah yeah maybe we'll do that someday it would be cool if they would do it because um, I think it
2: actually could happen because yeah Killjoys is a Space Channel production with Sci Fi co producing okay. and Dark Matter is made in association with Space Channel so I think it could happen.
0: Uh, what I read was that Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mulley, they originally conceived this as a TV show, but then they spent like eight years or something trying to get it made and it wasn't happening. And so then they did it as a graphic novel. And then, you know, finally, they got the TV show up and going. But so this graphic novel is out there. I don't know, has, Does anyone has anyone read that or looked at or know anything about it?
2: No, I haven't. I, I didn't actually read it. I, I was pretty confident at some point they were going to get the show made. So I guess I was holding off because <laughs> it se- it, it seems like one of the situations like Oblivion. The movie did the same thing. They put out a graphic novel or they were going to actually. I don't even think that one came out. But the whole point was basically the graphic novel was just to lead to the movie,
0: you know. Right. I just wonder if that gives away what's going to happen in the show or if I think maybe I heard that they're taking it in a different direction. But uh, it'd be interesting to know.
2: Yeah. You know, Andrew, I read your article recently about the the recap of both seasons and how you felt. And I thought it was interesting. Like, um, for one thing, you know, Killjoys is not as much of a space show as it thinks it is, at least not yet. You know, it's mostly set on those planets. Mm-hmm. It's more of a Western because you kind of compared Dark Matter as an analog to Firefly. But I guess I would kind of looked at it as more like Killjoys was the Firefly, you know, reboot, whereas like Dark Matter was more of a Farscape clone. You know, I like both shows a lot uh, for different reasons, but Dark Matter I think I prefer because it's actually really set in space, whereas the other one's more of a western where they're just planet hopping. You know?
1: Yeah, uh, Catherine and I had a, a quite a few. Uh, Catherine's the, my co-writer on the um, article that we wrote, and uh, we we were both trying to sort of figure out what to make of both shows because we'd both recapped them. And comparisons to Firefly are really tricky. We, we, that's what we found. I think in my first recap of the of killjoy i basically said this is a show that firefly fans have been waiting for and about half the comments were about like no you know we want more firefly and the other half was <laughs> like, yes but you know this isn't nearly as good as that so my comparison to firefly is very specific it's basically it's a show about a bunch of people on a spaceship they've got a, a specific job that they're trying to do to get done and they visit several different planets and they sort of go on their way um the world is fairly run down. There's um, some larger governmental conspiracy stuff. So it it's sort of my take on both shows is that sci-fi went and said, all right, we want to do some more space shows. This is what people say that they've been liking, and this is what has been popular in the past. Let's take a little bit out of column A, a little bit out of column B, mm-hmm. a lot out of column C, and shake it up and see what we get. And, I, and that's sort of what I've gotten with, with these ones. Uh, Dark Matter has some more Firefly... Um, cloned characters pulled out of it like three is is clearly a, a jane analog
0: mm-hmm. and I,
1: I think it's six is the sort of the kaylee river yeah, type it's character.
0: five
1: five and that, uh, i'll get to that in a minute with the name oh yeah i, I have <laughs> something to say about that too <laughs> <laughs> um but it seems like they, they basically pulled a lot of stuff like you know this this is we want to make something that will be as popular as firefly here's some of the things that people seem to like so let's Let's take it, and then you know, over a little bit of time, maybe it'll become you know, it'll be its own thing. So yeah. that I, that I liked because I you know I like those types of of TV shows. They're not the what we call the ATV, like the those really like high concepts, really story driven stuff. This is more of a, a small group of people um, going in space, and they're you know getting into weekly adventures. And I that I really like, and I that's what I've really missed.
2: Well, absolutely, and I agree with you um, on a lot of those points. Like for instance, I think. Not every series needs to emulate Battlestar. It doesn't have to win a Peabody. I mean, I love Battlestar, but I think my favorite show from that era was actually Stargate SG-1, you know, because it was just so fun, you know? Like, I'll take a fun show over a super serious melancholy show almost any day, you know? Yeah, I guess with Dark Matter, you kind of can draw whatever influence from it that you want to see, like, because for me, it was a bunch of people on a ship that don't want to be there together. So I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of like Farscape, you know, so... But uh, I think they both show a lot of potential. I I would say my one criticism for both is that they're actually a little overly complicated. You know, I'd be sitting here watching with my girlfriend and we have to keep asking each other who and like what. And like, you know, because the backstories are so intricate, especially for Killjoys. Um, Mm. Almost too much so. But oh, and as far as dark matter goes, they really need to ditch the number system. Like, I think that should have stopped after episode two or three. It's like these guys have names now. We know the names i mean who's four who's five who's six half the time i can't keep track
1: <laughs> yeah and the one the one real criticism we had with with dark matter and it is that the cast has its good moments but they are very bland and they're very stilted and like i can't figure out i mean most for the most for the most part i can't figure out which character is which uh half the time so I'm, i just sort of just roll with it um a couple of them are easier to figure out, like um, like three, for example, stands right out because you know he's the he's the Jane guy, and you know he's you know he's an asshole, and he likes to to uh, you know shoot things and names his guns and, and whatnot. Um, Killjoys was a lot easier, just I think partially because there's just three of them, um, but they also were a lot better. They're they're developed a lot better. Um, they all have very different backgrounds. They all have. Very different personalities. Whereas Dark Matter, I had trouble sort of picking some of them out. Like one is who is supposed to be like the face of the show is really bland. Like I, he's just bland. <laughs> That's pretty much the word I can come to mind. That comes to mind when I'm thinking about him.
0: Right. I, I agree with you guys. So the characters in Dark Matter, they're all sort of one dimensional. That you can summarize their personality in just a couple words. Uh, and, but they did work with that as the show went on. Like three, I thought I was going to hate because I, I usually hate the characters like that who are just obnoxious all the time and they can't be reasoned with and they're just always being a pain in the ass. But I was really getting to like that character toward the end. He had this line about he's giving he's critiquing uh, Charlotte's Web. Uh, that part was just mm-hmm. cracking me up. Um, and they softened him a little bit with the, the back his backstory. So, yeah, I,
2: yeah I think the turning point for that character was the episode with his wife, you know, uh, the woman in cryo. And, yeah, you saw some real
1: emotion out of him at that point. Um, I have a theory about this is, uh, with these types of shows, is that because they're very character-driven, um, you, just, you sort of have to go to some sort of archetype system. So you have to have your, your gun guy, you have to have the, the tech person, you have to have the leader. Um, shows like Stargate were, and, and Babylon 5 and even Farscape to an extent were their first seasons that was really a lot about establishing the world and getting the characters sort of aligned up so that they could sort of work together. Um, and you don't really get the meat of this of the show until you get into a couple more seasons. So if if Killjoys and Dark Matter go beyond season two, I'm guessing that they're going to get a lot better. And it'll just be because the cast is working together closely, it's because the writers are working together closely, and they're finally getting to maneuver them and to work, get them to work together and to actually work as a team. And i that's sort of what happened with stargate and that's you know that's the reason you you stick with stargate for 10 seasons because you love those characters and i i'm hoping that over the course of the the next couple seasons these shows will do the same thing
2: Well, you make a great point. Uh, I think like a lot of those successful shows started off very slowly in terms of they were very episodic, you know, adventure of the week kind of thing. And then over time became more serialized and delved into the mythology. I mean, Farscape in particular didn't really get going with that till season two or three, you know, and I think like these shows actually felt a little rushed, like trying to get too mythologized too quickly. Like Killjoys, especially, I think could have dealt with just a few more random fun adventures before getting into the whole you know red 17 all that klein business you know
0: yeah i agree that kill i agree with you that killjoys felt overly complicated too quickly often i had no i was really confused where geographically they were you know what which planet they were on or it seems like characters were hopping around all over the place
2: Absolutely. I mean, sci uh has like a description of the universe the show is set in, and that's more informative than the actual show. <laughs> I mean, you know, I actually had to read it at one point just to figure out what everything was. Because yeah, for instance, the quad, if you just watch the show, you think it's four planets, but it's not. It's one planet and three moons. So I don't know, maybe I missed that. But I guess that's what the internet's good for.
1: When I was recapping the show, I would watch it twice. I'd watch it the first time to get it you know, to under just sort of get you know enjoy it and then take it in as as for what it was. And the second time, I'd be taking notes and, and writing stuff down, and that I think that helped me quite a bit. But in those those ten episodes, they really packed a lot in. I mean, there's dialogue that exists only to drop information about the world Uh it, in it, a little bit more heavy-handed than most other space shows, and I think that that's probably only because they've they were only given ten episodes. Um Usually, like. The Stargates and the Farscapes; these those seasons were twenty-two episodes. They had a lot of a lot more time to sort of drag all that out.
2: Well, that's a really good point. I mean, the showrunners have a dilemma, of course. I mean, you want to parcel out the the information over seasons, but there's no guarantee of multiple seasons. You have to make sure it's you know it hooks people right away. Especially if you only have ten episodes. You're right. I mean, Dark Matter had thirteen. Killjoys only had the ten.
0: But I think one thing that both shows have going for them is that they did work out a lot of stuff in advance. I mean, apparently for Killjoys, there's a really elaborate Bible sketching out the whole universe. And for Dark Matter, since they were working on it for so long, apparently they, have a, you know, they had written most of the uh, scripts for the first season before they even started filming it. They have a really detailed five-year plan. They had done the graphic novel. So I agree with you that if these shows go to multiple seasons, I think that the amount of preparation that they've put into it will start showing more and more.
1: Yeah. I think as as they get into season 2 and maybe if they get a season 3 and and so forth, they'll figure out what really works and they'll they'll get into a rhythm um and, and go from there. So I I hope that they'll get to that point. I mean, even if they each of these shows had only been a first season, I would have really, you know, enjoyed watching them and and I I don't think I haven't seen I haven't quite seen the finale of uh, Dark Matter yet, but Killjoys I I thought that they as the the ending aside, I thought they could have. It would have been a good self contained season up until the, the very end, and um, it would have been just fine. But as long as they keeps, if it keeps going going on and on, it will probably just get better.
0: And I actually thought both shows got better as they went. And uh, you know, the first couple episodes of Killjoys, I was really kind of on the fence. And it wasn't until they introduced the the Red Seventeen subplot that was kind of really engaged my interest. And uh, Dark Matter, I thought got. Really, really good in the last couple episodes. I guess Andrew, you haven't seen. You said you haven't seen the finale of that yet.
1: No, I have it on my iPad. I've I've been trying to get to it, and I just it's one of those things. I I was I just have not gotten a chance to to sit down and watch it.
0: I really I really thought it was effective. I was really on the edge of my seat for the finale of that.
1: I'm a, I'm excited to watch so.
0: Yeah. Your um your partner over there at IO nine,
2: she reviewed it and I, I agreed with most of her points. I mean, um overall very good season. I mean, I'll tell you this. One thing Dark Matter has going for it is a lot of really interesting sci fi concepts. You know, um yeah, they had like the cloning teleportation technology so you could essentially interact with someone light years away or whatever, but not be there. So that was cool.
1: And they also they also did some things with like, you know, the uh they had Android, which I I think she was the Probably the best character in the whole show I, I i loved just seeing her on screen all the time and just seeing her grow and become a character in and of herself i, I think she, she, her of all the characters she was the best
2: i kind of feel like that's probably the consensus right i mean easily yeah android is the star of the show
0: <laughs> i mean i i really liked her as a character but i i confess i'm a little sick of the robot who wants to be a human thing i, I kind of feel like it's sort of overdone so i i thought she was fine as a robot i didn't need her to you know, talk so much about becoming more human.
2: Yeah. Well, I did love that episode though, where they activated the other android, the the sex <laughs> yeah. bot, and she started to get a little jealous. And you know, <laughs> I felt so bad that, for her; she was cute.
0: Yeah, it's no, like, that, oh, I, you're jealous. <laughs> I agree that was a highlight of the season. That was that was hilarious. Um, but I think they could have done that without without making her explicitly talk about how how she's deviating from robot norms and becoming more human and that kind of stuff. It just feels overdone to me.
1: At the same they if they kept her as a robot she would just she'd just be boring i mean I think that robots exploring you know what it means to be a sentient being if she is indeed sentient is is an interesting concept and i i hope that I agree with you that it it could be it has been done before i i hope that they will avoid some of the typical stories and they'll do some interesting things with it but I, guess I guess it's
2: one of those know. things where even though it's something we've seen many times, it's always fascinating. Because even this summer on AMC, you know, I don't know if you guys watched that new show, Humans, yep. but I thought that was very well done. And I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, sure, it's kind of like Blade Runner and, you know, Battlestar and anything else, but they're always interesting. It's all in the execution, right? And there's also
1: uh, Westworld coming up on HBO. Mm hmm.
0: I wanted to talk about the. You mentioned the temporary clones, though. I really, really liked that, and that was sort of like something out of uh, *Killing People* by David Brin. I think was the first time I saw really that idea in science fiction. And uh, I didn't see it on TV before, I, I, so I, I kind of gave the show give the show credit for breaking that. But I don't know. Has that idea appeared on TV science fiction before? Or because I, 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 I couldn't,
2: uh, I couldn't remember seeing that before. I thought it was pretty clever, and I also liked how they uh, used it to
1: show uh, one's true face. You know, oh, no, that was yeah. in each
0: that was a, that was that was really well done, yeah,
1: I don't know if I've seen it before I know obviously cloning has been done before, and like replicating somebody has been done before, and I'm pretty sure Stargate has done it a half dozen times you know you bring back the the evil clone type person, but not not as a just a way of getting business done and that was that was something that catherine and our in our article had talked about is that you know she she can't understand how the world works, I can't either because if you have the ability to cheaply send people. Um, across the galaxy by cloning them and having them walk around for you, why do you need spaceships? i mean uh, you can just <laughs> load up all the cargo into a an unmanned ship and just send it over and then just you know get it cloned and walk out and unpack it it, it the, well, i suppose
2: whole- that kind of that sort of Touches on what you had talked about in one of your articles, or perhaps it was Catherine or both of you, that um, Dark Matter, compared to Killjoys anyway, is almost a little underdeveloped. Like, we know very little about the universe, but I guess that kind of works because these characters don't know a lot. Like, we're kind of t- going along with them and learning what they learn. Um, so it's almost like Killjoys is overdeveloped and Dark Matter's underdeveloped.
0: I think they did say though in Dark Matter that this was new technology. So I mean maybe it oh. would eventually supplant the spaceships, but it just, you know, it's just brand new at this point.
2: Well also uh, the thing the, the the catch with it is if your clone dies, the the memories don't get transported back to you. So it's like it didn't work, you know.
0: Right, right. But I I agree with your broader point Andrew that the world like the technology of the world doesn't feel like it holds together that i mean like one when 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 the robot when he finds out that their entertainment robot is also a sex robot he seems to like be completely unfamiliar with this idea and it just seems like in this this would be a world where sex robots were just like everyone had one it was just completely normal you know and it just seems like yeah the the characters they feel like 20th century people uh in this and and they don't seem it doesn't seem like the culture has really been affected at all at all by the technology the super advanced technology all around them.
2: Yeah. Well and speaking of the super advanced technology, I'm still a little hazy on what exactly two is. I mean, she's not a robot, but she's a synthetic human, like a special powers human or something.
0: Yeah, she's I think she's a genetically engineered human with nanotechnology.
1: Yeah, and not born or anything. She was she, basically all she was assembled out of parts, so they I'm guessing that they just grew all of her organs in a lab and sort of put her together with nanites. Um, so it'll be interesting to see sort of what the end game for that is. Um, it's
2: like, to some degree, all these semantics get a little confusing because she's a synthetic human made from human parts, but on humans, the synthetics are just androids. <laughs> get what I'm yeah. saying?
1: <laughs> I, I would bet that we'll get some interesting episodes with um, her and android talking to one another. Maybe they'll, they'll revive the uh, the two people trapped in an airlock um, trope and have the two of them, you know, hash it out for an episode.
0: Are there any other uh, sort of elements like that that you liked? I wanted to mention in Killjoys, The things I really liked were the Toxic Rain, where they take the uh, death row inmates and tie them up in the town square and then let it rain on them. And oh, the the, the rain, them. the rain
1: that also can drag a spaceship into orbit. <laughs> yeah, that got me really angry.
0: <laughs> okay, but I liked the melting, melting. Melting part was cool. Prisoner's part. Gravity,
2: gravity doesn't work like that. <laughs> <laughs> I did think it was an effective punishment. That was a nice touch. You're right.
0: And also in that show, I also really liked the genetic bomb that somehow only kills people that it's been you know, genetically programmed to kill. I, I, I thought that was pretty cool.
2: That is, yeah. I mean, it's probably not realistic, but who the hell knows. I mean, it was a definitely an interesting original concept and very effective.
0: Right. I think the fact that it looks like some sort of energy, uh, you know, explosion makes it seem much more implausible. But if it was some sort of a cloud of nanotechnology or something, it might might have felt a little bit more plausible to me. Right. I mean, it was pretty
2: gruesome, though. I mean, one minute, half the room is standing there, and the next minute, they're all gone. Just a pile of ash or whatever. So it was cool.
1: What I really liked about Killjoys uh, was the sort of the simmering... Um lower class versus upper class uh, conflict that was sort of brewing over the whole season. And I hope that they'll continue to do some stuff with that because you have, you have Westerly, which is really sort of the dumps of that quad system. And then you have Mm -hmm. the other planet that is really where everybody's trying to go to. So they, they tackled things like immigration and they tackled things like wealth inequality, And with the, the acid rain burning the people alive, you just, you just sort of see that that's like, that's a, there's a, governance system and people who are in charge that have absolutely no idea what they're doing and they have no idea what the impact of what they're doing is going to be on the, the regular people that ultimately support them so
2: right
1: the idea of a revolution brewing and i i think that we'll see more of it later on is just really interesting storytelling and that's sort of where the the advantage to dumping all this stuff in the episodes uh when it comes to the world when you dump all that information and you get a lot of uh I guess you you can build stories like that that really make a lot of sense in a single season.
2: Yeah. I mean, certainly, so far at least, Killjoys has a lot more – it's more of a social commentary allegory show. I mean, that's pretty clear.
0: See, Andrew, you were saying in your article that you thought it was confusing what the Killjoys – uh, mandate was exactly that sometimes they seem like bounty hunters and sometimes they seem like spies and sometimes they seem like assassins and
1: well the, just... the job is pretty clear i mean the, from all the publicity material and what they when they go around saying the warrant is all so at least for the for you know their their D rank of one to five but after that it, it's like you you have you set up this organization that their job is to bounty hunt for you all right that's great you can go and hire them you can send them a paypal thing and they they'll go and get somebody for you and that that's great but then when you have get into it's what seems like these upper levels of like six and seven or whatever that they have that's a really drastic mission change for them and you have them go from bounty hunting and and delivering stuff and just picking up something and making sure it gets to the, the right place to uh whatever it is that they're doing and it's either they're they're doing some weird genetic engineering stuff. They're doing some assassination stuff. They clearly call a lot of shots when it comes to the local government. They're, you know, who know? I don't, I don't understand what they're doing and how that sort of fits in. You know, why, why do the bounty hunting thing if that's if you can call the shots with the local government? It it, it doesn't quite make sense to me.
2: Right, um, and I'm a little hazy too on the relationship between you know the rack, which you know is the supervising company over the Killjoys, and the company which seems to be in charge of everything. Like does Klein work for the Rack and the company or I mean is he just like I like that moment where he's like uh she's like, Who are you or what are you? And he's like on level six.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't think that he doesn't work for the company. He works for he he seems to work for the rack. And the rack is independent from the company. I mean, they made that clear a couple points because they, they were talking about how the, the rack is impartial and you know, they're a group that you could that these these other companies can hire out to do stuff so yeah that it's not entirely clear and it'll hopefully they'll have some explanation for whatever it is i i suspect that that's part of their end game but it's a really weird just it just seems like it was it sort of came out of left field
0: i mean one thing i wanted to mention that i thought was interesting is that neither of these shows have any alien characters um at least in uh, dark matter they mention the possibility of aliens so Presumably, there are aliens in the universe, I guess, but I just thought it was interesting that there are no aliens on the ship or anything like that. I mean, what do you guys... Is it just too much, too much of a pain to do the makeup, or is there some other reason why they don't have uh, aliens?
2: Yeah, makeup. I guess it also just really changes the uh, feel and dynamic of the show, you know, or the scope of it once you start having aliens. I mean, because... Farscape and Firefly are very different shows. And I think if you want to keep it grounded in any kind of semi-reality, like this could be our future in 300 years, it's better just to keep it to humans. Yeah. Because it's also fascinating to see that the, the problems we have here on Earth will only become amplified and will still be the same problems if we spread out to different moons and planets. You know, so... There's a lot of you know great stories to be told even without having to go into aliens. So I I kind of like that because we we do have defiance for the there's more than enough aliens on that show. <laughs>
1: there's like yeah.
2: seven species.
1: And Firefly, which seems to be like the, the the point of inspiration for these two shows, also was you know was a, a human only world. Um, and later this summer, or sorry, later this year, um, the Expanse will come out, and that one doesn't really have aliens in it. So. That's maybe they're just sort of trying to set expectations for for that.
0: It was interesting, actually. One, uh, one of the commenters on one of your posts, Andrew, was uh, speculating somewhat cynically that part of the reason these shows got made was so that they could reuse, I guess in this case sort of preemptively reuse, uh, the props and things and some of the actors from The Expanse. Do you think that the fact that they're doing The Expanse had anything to do with these shows getting made?
1: I think that The Expanse... Being, I think The Expanse is certainly one motivation for doing these shows, and my theory is is that these Dark Matter and Killjoys came out this summer because The Expanse is coming out later this year, and they're basically getting the audience ready to watch space stuff again. So, uh, you know, these are very light shows. They're, they're B, what we call BTV. Um, the Expanse is going to be ATV. It's going to be really um, story-driven. It's going to be really um, character-driven, a lot of effects and they're not using the same sets. Um, I the the Expanse has its own set up in Toronto, and they, it was it's massive and it's um, it's really its own thing. So I don't think that they're reusing stuff at all.
2: Right, and I think you're right too that the Expanse is definitely like these are kind of the appetizers, and they're hoping this the Expanse is the next Battlestar, like a really yeah. well received, you know, well reviewed, popular show.
1: Yeah, I I think it will too. Um I, I got a chance to visit the set of the Expanse back in March, and it is really impressive what they were doing with that. Um they were shooting on the same sound stage as Pacific Rim. Uh the spaceship sets were phenomenal. The the background, um you know, all the equipment that they're using and the, the arrow sets and all that. They were they were they were detailed and they were really fantastic. On the on the other hand, um Dark Matter pretty much uses one warehouse and one walkway. And the uh, cockpit. It seems like they they don't have nearly the budget that The Expanse has.
2: You kind of just reminded me of something. Sometimes I'm watching Killjoys, and they're supposedly in space, but it's clearly just some gigantic warehouse somewhere. And it's a cool set, but I'm thinking that (laughs) this would not be on a spaceship.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, Dark Matter had a couple of those moments, too. They went on... Actually, I I wouldn't be surprised if if Dark Matter and Killjoys are using some of the same resources... um, uh, we were, I was joking with somebody that, you know, at, at one point, I think that the writers were talking to one another because Dark Matter had a, a, an episode about space zombies or whatever, and then Killjoys had a pretty much identical article later on. So I, it was kind of funny to see that happen, um, that the two uh, the two shows sort of converging in that way. And it seemed like they were using some of the same sets, like the same sort of warehouses. I, um, Dark Matter visited a... Um, like a giant space cargo ship at some point i think and it was Mm -hmm. basically just the inside of a warehouse which is you know you would make sense if you're just hauling a lot of cargo but you know if you need i guess if you need a really quick set to use you know why not just use an empty warehouse
0: right and the actor who played klein was also in uh one of the early episodes of dark matter
2: Really? I missed that. I'll have to go back and... Because I, I even thought to myself, the guy who plays Klein is very good. I had to go up and look up some of his credits, but I didn't realize that he was in Dark Matter.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure... I'm, I mean, I didn't check it, but I'm, I'm almost sure it was the same guy. Although I was wrong about... I assumed that the guy who plays John was the kid who played the Iceman in the X-Men movies, but it's, oh, right. it it's actually his, his identical twin brother. So, <laughs> yep. got to check that stuff.
1: Yeah. what I What I really liked about Dark Matter... Um, and li- a little bit with Killjoys, but Dark Matter uh, got the chance to recycle some of the older um, Stargate actors. So um, yeah. the lady, I, and I don't remember names because it's been a while, but the lady who ran the um, Atlanta, the Stargate Atlantis program, um, she- Tori been- Higginson, yeah. Yes. And then Amanda Tapping appeared. Uh, she directed an episode of Dark Matter early on, and then she appeared in Killjoys. Killjoys, and pretty, yeah. And I'm pretty sure there was a couple of other people who were in David the David Hewlett. Oh, yes, that's right. And he should, uh, although I, watching that, watching three, I thought that he should have been three. And it was nice to see him actually appear later on because it, it seems like he was a character that was written for David Hewitt. Right. It is cool that he's the handler. I hope we see more and more of him. So Yeah, he's he's really hilarious. And uh, I always loved him in Stargate. And it's nice to see him come back for a fairly similar character. He does the Stargate yeah. smart guy pretty well.
0: I mean one thing uh Raphael is I noticed is that this show uh, is the Killjoys has a female showrunner, um Michelle Lavretta. Uh is that how common is that in for science fiction shows to have a to be created by and run by a woman? Because it seems like it's not super common.
2: I think it's becoming uh increasingly common. I mean hopefully more so. Um you're right, historically it's probably been not the case, but uh she's doing an amazing job so far. You know, and uh, I mean, I, I guess in general, um, female showrunners don't always work, uh, don't often work in science fiction, but hopefully that'll become more common.
1: The guys behind The Expanse were talking on Twitter a while back, because uh, Variety had posted up an article saying, like, these are the worst shows coming out this year for you know, women directors, and the, the Expanse was one that was on there because they didn't have any women directors, and uh, Ty Frank basically went to Twitter and said, "Look." You know, yeah, we don't have any women, but we also went to a lot, and all of them turned us down because they were busy doing other things. So it's a little more complicated, I think, than just um, you know them not hiring it. It, it was great to see um, you know like Amanda Tapping getting behind the director's chair for oh yeah you know, one of the episodes, and it was also great to see you know really women led the shows. I mean, uh Dutch is 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 probably one of the best female characters I've seen recently, and. Um, uh, two I really liked as well.
2: Absolutely, I think they're both very—they're gr- great shows for women characters and you know women behind the scenes. So
1: yeah, and and, and to come to think of it, uh, you know, not Caucasian women either. They—they were women of color.
0: What'd you guys think about the romance aspects? Because that did not always work for me on these shows. um I think Andrew, maybe you—you you said something similar in your review. But the—the the scene in Killjoy is where the doctor seduces the town mayor kind of guy. I, I really strained my
1: plausibility. Um, <laughs> That's what alcohol will do to you, I guess. But yeah, they were, they were a little odd. Like, like in dark matter, it really didn't work at all. It was really like, I don't know. I want to say dull, but it it was really wooden and it just didn't really work that well. Killjoys, you could tell there's that sexual tension between um, Davin and Dutch from pretty much day one. And, mm-hmm. you know, they got to, you know, they got to have their fun and then he, Dav tries to kill her and then they're, they're a little bit strained, and then they sort of seem to get back together. And by the end, she's talking about how she's she'll do anything to save him. Um, I, there wasn't as much emotional oomph to that, and I think that again, it, this is a sort of a byproduct of only having ten episodes. You really have to pack a lot in, and some of the character stuff really suffered as a result. And that was that was sort of one of them. I mean, I can believe them getting together. It's just that it just didn't really it didn't really mean anything because we we just we didn't weren't uh, with them for that long, I
2: do think that's one area where Killjoy's resonated a little better and and rang more true. Where basically, yeah, you have this effective love triangle to some degree, because, like you said, uh, Davin and Dutch, there was chemistry from the beginning. And even though she and John have just been friends for years, you have to think on some level he's you know grown deeper feelings for her. So seeing his brother with her can't be easy, you know. Um, where so.
1: whereas I think that they were they were content to be just friends and i and i actually really like seeing that type of relationship between characters like men you know male and female characters don't have to fall in love with one another they can, you know they can be friends too and i think that's a really yeah. good relationship to have i think he was more annoyed that because he was going to have to choose between one of them either his partner or his brother and he, he that he didn't want to make that choice or have to make that choice
2: Right. No, that's very true. Um, because, yeah, even if they're just friends and that's truly all he wants, he's still going to feel a level of, you know, come on, Davin, <laughs> like there's plenty <laughs> of other women out there. But but I agree that Dark Matter didn't handle that nearly as well because uh, right off the bat, we're kind of just shown three and two getting together and one feels a little jealous and then one and two get together. And it all happens so fast without any anticipation or build up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the one in Dark matter came right out of left field and didn't make a lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah, the scene where you find out that uh, two and three were sleeping together just seemed like a weird dream sequence or something. It really took me a while to accept that that had actually happened because it just seemed so, uh, yeah, like you said, out of left field. Yeah. I actually listened to an interview with the uh, showrunner, Michelle Lavretta, where she was saying that her intention was for it to be a, a platonic relationship between John and Dutch. And that she felt like that kind of relationship was underrepresented on TV, and mm-hmm. so that was one thing I did I did like about it is that yeah it felt a little bit different from your standard love triangle. Uh, this this like you're friends with someone and then your brother comes in and like yeah you know, f's the whole thing up. <laughs> um, but the scene actually where uh, Davin kind of falls in love with Dutch for the first time I think is the scene where she he first sees what a badass she is. She beats up a bunch of guys in a hallway and she's wearing this purple dress and she kind of turns around and looks at him over her shoulder. And there was something really Artful about that shot, uh, and it was kind of in slow mo. And uh, that, was that was a
2: great scene. That was the one where she took off the necklace, right? And yeah, used and it, she, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. She takes off her necklace and tosses the beads before her, and they kind of open up into little uh, crab robots. Yeah, uh, it was that
1: was cool. cool in and of itself. <laughs> <That> was <laughs> the, Sort of the moment of like, this is just—they're just like throwing ideas onto the into the concept art and the in the scripts and just like, let's just have fun with this. Necklace that turns into crab robots? Great! Let's keep doing that. So I hope they keep doing stuff like that, just because it's fun.
0: Yeah, and I, but I hope they have more shots like that, because I felt like that shot, and then there was a, the shot when John has been stabbed and he's recovering, and it's sort of panning past the emergency room where the people are standing over him a couple times. I felt like those th- shots really stood out to me as being artful and visually striking, and I felt like the rest of the show was you know, just kind of by the numbers, um, like sort of TV show editing. And I really would have liked to see them pump up the visuals more, like they did Wick with Sensei another show we talked about recently. But just like try to do more creative things with the visuals, because I thought that those two shots really stood out in that way. Mm.
2: I, I think overall, Killjoys has done a really good job with the cinematography and, you know, of course we do spend a lot of time on Westerly, and, and that's kind of, you know, muted tones and kind of drab. But overall, I, I really enjoy when they go to a different place, there's a different color scheme. It's oftentimes like uh, bright blue or light blue, and I don't know. I mean, I think it feels unique and you get a sense for that world. It's it, like I like it when a show has a very particular vibe from the visuals, you know?
1: Yeah, that was actually one thing I really liked about Dark Matter is that they they went out to various planets and it, it wasn't one of Vancouver's pine forests. You know, like in Stargate, it seems like every planet they go on it's it's a pine forest. And right, they would even joke about planet. it. <laughs> it's a pine forest. <laughs> and then this one they they went to a place that is it it was it was a diff- a completely different forest. It was all maple trees and it's like, "Oh, that looks actually kind of like what vermont looks like and it looks different and you know i have there's certain connotations i take from it that maybe it's a little colder or fall like or whatever and it just it definitely gave the world a very different feel now just you know it could be this all you know all plant no planet is uniformly maple trees or whatever but it just it those areas that they're in that they're definitely making an effort to sort of show different things
0: what did you guys think about the humor in the show? There was one line in dark matter that sort of stood out to me where five says that she, uh, what was it? She, she's going to watch star Wars 36 or something.
2: Yes. Uh, yeah, that was a really funny <laughs> line. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, the, it's funny, too, because I remember back on Star Trek Enterprise, you know, they would have movie night on the Enterprise. And uh, I always thought to myself, would there really be movies s- still in the future? And once we start spreading out into space? Or would they keep making new movies? Or would they just start keep watching the old ones? And uh, yeah, Star Wars 36. I mean, I hope I'm still around to see it.
0: Or or would the I mean, if you have the holodeck, would you still be watching movies? Right? I mean, would it right. be wa- like us, like us watching silent movies or something that nobody really does today?
2: Well, and it's like on on a deeper level, we create science fiction and space sci-fi because we're not able to go out there ourselves. And once we can explore the cosmos, you'd think we don't really need the fiction. But maybe we'd realize you're just on a spaceship and you want to watch a movie because it's Friday <laughs> night. Yeah,
1: one of the, uh, Killjoys had what I really liked about it is that it seems like every episode or um, John would have a, a couple of really hilarious lines and i just checked imdb and they unfortunately they don't, haven't updated their quotes page but there was a lot of like one of them was stop licking my partner <laughs> you know it just stuff like that like when delivered in the you know when when you're watching and you you see that it, it comes off really funny even in the really serious situations so I, I i hope that they will continue that same level of humor and um in future seasons and even dark matter had its moments um it, not as many but they had definitely had them
2: most of the humor in Dark Matter seems to revolve around uh, Android, probably. Yeah. And 3. Yeah.
0: yeah. Which
1: one was 3?
0: The obnoxious uh, one? See? Oh, exactly. that's right. Yes. <laughs> I
1: can't, even, even though he's the most memorable character, I can never, can't remember who any of them are. I know. That show, I actually feel stupid when I'm watching
2: the show because they'll refer to a character by number and I have to think about it for a second. I'm like, who are they talking about? I mean, I don't know.
1: Maybe I'm just getting slower. I think it's a it's a better mechanism in print. Like so, for the comic book, I'm guessing that it makes a little bit more sense. But for the TV show, it really doesn't, and they need to they need to get nicknames or something.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I I was really surprised once they find their their files and they realize you know their backstories why they didn't just start adopting the names at that point, like Jace and Portia and all that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, there's the moment where Two says, "Call me Two, not Portia." Uh, which you could see for her character. It would, it would. I think, I agree, it would have been better if some of the characters had just been like, I'll call me by this name, or if they had just called me some other nickname or something. And so there was a mix. So it wasn't just all six numbers and you were constantly getting confused.
1: There's a point to that too, is that because they're also trying to be different people than their original characters. So in in reality, for them, they really are two and three and four, um, even though it's hard for us to mix. Make, it, it, it makes sense... In universe just but as a mechanism for delivering information to the viewer it's it's just a little annoying
2: right but you know you did just remind me um i think dark matter is a really great show because deep down it's like it does explore a more interesting central concept i think you know the question of identity which you know comes up a lot in science fiction and fiction in general but are we just the sum of our experiences and memories or is there like a deeper innate personality that you know because essentially these characters have a blank slate and are they destined to act like they were before or can they start over you know i think that's always fascinating
0: i I agree that that's a really interesting issue but i feel like the show didn't particularly grapple with it i mean i feel like and i liked the how well plotted it was but it was like every episode they're like what's behind this door where this dead body come from you know how are we going to survive this that i feel
2: like i think didn't... the closest i think yeah like the closest they got at times you know we we realized that one was there to kill three basically jace was there to kill the annoying guy from some indiscretion in the past but now in their new lives they were friendly so yeah you know little things like that i guess
1: i, I was a little surprised that they revealed who they were really early in the show i thought that that would have been the central mystery is then trying to figure out who they who they are and when it turns out that the show is not really about them trying to discover themselves, but trying to sort of reinvent themselves, I, I thought that was a little bit more interesting.
0: Well, one thing I thought was interesting, I listened to an interview with the showrunner, and he said that, you know, at a certain point, it seems like all of them are, you know, you, you, at first you think that there are these all these hardened criminals, but then as it goes on, it seems like they're all actually not, not all that bad. But he says, no, 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 people are, you're misunderstanding. Like, to end up on this ship, they, they've all done horrible things. So, believe me, you know, you're going to find out more about them uh, than just the... And then the, um...
2: that's always a really fine line to walk, you know, when you're trying to make your uh, heroes or protagonists antiheroes or something. Because, you know, even with the Chronicles of Riddick franchise, you know, we're we're constantly told how terrible Riddick is, but he's he's kind of not so bad, you know. And, you know, even the whole fight evil with evil thing. Well, I don't really know if Riddick was ever evil, you know, but he was just trying to survive. Um, but, yeah, you know, it is interesting to see how it's going to play out.
0: But I, th- I thought it was effective, like, when they have the characters do things that are unexpected, I-, I found it really effective for that reason. I mean, with 4, there's the moment where he stabs his uh, mm-hmm. old tutor, uh, which I found really shocking and effective. But then there's also the moment in five's flashback, where he uh, allows her to stay, He he he's the deciding vote to allow her to stay on the ship, and you see sort of a softer side of him. And I thought the show could have had more moments like that for all the characters, where they, they reveal sort of more complex sides to their personalities than than we had seen up to now.
2: Yeah, sure. You know, I really enjoyed uh, that two-part episode towards the end of the season where they worked with the other crew who inevitably turns on them. But then the second part is them reclaiming the ship. And, you know, that was a great cliffhanger with, uh, two getting spaced and the reveal that she's enhanced. But, uh, I really found myself liking that other crew. Like I even joked at one point, it would be interesting if they changed course at this point, we just started following these guys, you know, maybe like these other guys don't make it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, right. Where there's, there's the pair where he's like, are you brother and sister or what? And they're like, we don't like to define our relationship. (laughs) That was like, yeah, they were kind of like non-stereotypical characters in a way that none of the characters in the base crew really are.
2: Right. And I suppose that's a victory for the writing when you create like these one-off characters that are so interesting, you want to see more of them. You're actually disappointed when they're killed off, you know, because of course they had to be, but.
0: Okay. So one thing I wanted to ask you guys about is I posted on Facebook that I was watching these shows and my cousin Ted Hand said that. Uh, Killjoys is better than Firefly, and so is Dark Matter, hashtag unpopular opinion. And then someone else posted, and, uh, Todd, Todd Ehrenfels posted and said, I very much agree, Ted, I just tend to be terrified of saying so. So <laughs> I, I I thought both these shows were plainly not as good as Firefly, but it's been a long time since I saw Firefly, so who knows. But I was just curious, do you guys know uh, other people I who would,
2: you know, Firefly is is revered and rightfully so to a large degree. But um, this is where I'll delve into the unpopular opinion too. I think it is overrated. Um, at the time, I wasn't enamored with it that much. Like I remember watching it in real time, thinking about two thirds of the episodes are pretty forgettable. But it was it was promising and it was you know really well written in terms of the dialogue because of course Joss Whedon. Uh, and then Serenity, the movie, was really good. But I didn't care for the series that much. I didn't think it was nearly as good as Farscape or some other things. Um, so I think the fact it got cut down in its prime is almost like a rock star dying at 27. Hmm. We never had the misfortune of seeing it grow old and lose steam. Like Heroes had it ended after one season, people would be like, Oh man, Heroes was the best. But instead, he, people were like, Oh God, Heroes, you know, maybe <laughs> this is you know, because it, it went on too long and, you know, they lost focus of what they were trying to do. Um, I don't think Firefly is as great as it's made out to be, but it was pretty good. I think these shows are probably not quite as good as Firefly yet, but they're getting there.
1: I think Firefly, from my perspective, I think Firefly was a really great show. And I I, I do completely agree, though. It was cut down in its prime, and I think people really read into how good it was at first and, and sort of extrapolate that, saying, oh, it would have only gotten better. It very well might have been. Um, my, I have a theory that, the shelf life for any given science fiction show is about five years. And then after that point, you really have to do something in order to get it to go beyond that point. I think it's just, I think you're right. Four to five years is ideal. That's why
2: Ron Moore pulled the plug on Battlestar. Sci-fi wanted more seasons. He's like, no, this is the story. We're done.
1: You know? Yeah. Well, I think they also sort of had to figure out the ending (laughs) for that one.
0: I totally agree with you there, Rafael, about the the dialogue. I I really think that, the dialogue is what sets firefly apart from these i think that if i mean i feel like there are as many memorable lines i can remember as many memorable lines from firefly as i can from these shows and these i just watched yesterday and firefly i watched years ago um yeah but i feel like joss
2: whedon is a master of dialogue in the way that very few people are you know so that's what really sets his shows apart i think
0: yeah but i feel like if dark matter had firefly quality dialogue i think it would plainly be a better show than firefly i can i can see that
1: yeah. I don't know, I've, I've always liked, I, I think Firefly had the, the problem is that Firefly had a lot of stuff that it was setting up and never really got the chance to, to unveil um, and I think I, I like what Firefly was doing a bit more um, and this one, again, it's the it's the 10 episode cram um, they really didn't get enough time to really do uh, you know, they, they had to stuff everything into the 10 episodes and I think that if they had let it air out and give it, you know tell the first season over two seasons, or one proper season, it would have been a lot better. Um, so I'm not I'm not ready to say that Killjoys or, or um, Dark Matter are better. I don't think they are at this point, but I, it'll be interesting to see where they go.
2: Yeah. Well, and if we're really, really lucky, when we get that uh, Killjoys-Dark Matter <laughs> crossover, we'll also see the Serenity crew pop in for a minute, or at least fly <laughs> by overhead like they did in Battlestar. That was a nice touch. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I guess Andrew, do you want to say anything else about what do you guys think is going to happen with space science fiction now? I mean, you mentioned we have the Expanse coming up. Are we looking at a new renaissance of space science fiction, or what's? Uh, how do you think that's going to play out?
1: That I, I don't know. I, clearly, we're going to have a couple more years of it because we have Killjoys and Dark Matter getting second seasons. Um, the Expanse is coming, and that one has hasn't officially been picked up for a second season, but the writing team is already working. So they're they're clearly anticipating it. I I have I will be very surprised if that one does not get another season or if they can adapt the show as long as possible. Um, so I think it's here to stay, for at least for a little while, um, especially because you have films like Star Wars coming for the next, at least the next five years, you're going to have a Star Wars film a year. So that'll keep people's attention sort of firmly focused on space stuff. Um, and even outside of the entertainment industry, you have things like New Horizons, exploring Pluto, and you have the... Um, the Dawn spacecrafts exploring series, so you have this cultural focus on space stuff right now as it is. So I think that as long as we can sort of keep our attention there, we'll we'll see some new stories that are, will pop up in the with the same in the same places.
2: I think Andrew's uh, completely right. Yeah, I mean, with the proliferation of uh, social media and you know everything, right now the interest in space and science is as high as it's ever been. So I don't think that's really going to go away. I think the the period where we didn't have space shows on the air was kind of an aberration and, and just hopefully won't happen again. I mean, for my part, I, I tried to do something about it. I mean, I, like you mentioned, I had that sci-fi movie, Star Runners, and that was written as a backdoor pilot, you know, and sci-fi was interested in doing a digital series uh, to continue it and test the waters. So then we just never really got it going for various reasons, too boring to go into. But that was my goal. I was trying to do something about it.
1: <laughs> and I, I, think the another point to be made is that there is a lot of quality TV out there, and I, and that television is really exploding as a medium. Um, space stuff is not replacing what sci-fi had done in the past couple of years because you, you have other shows on sci-fi that are coming out, and you have other like fantasy shows that are coming out. So the the sci-fi channel is doing uh, the Magicians based on Lev Grossman's uh, trilogy. You have the Shannara. Series coming out on um, MTV of all places. That
2: looks really uh, cool.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I haven't read any of the books, but we'll see. Um, and then you've got, obviously you've got Game of Thrones is the is the big elephant in the room for that for that franchise. So it'll space is not replacing other stuff where before it seems like we had space shows and then they were replaced by you know superheroes or urban fantasy or other things, which also seem to work pretty well for the Sci Fi Channel. Um, I think the Sci Fi Channel. Just stopped innovating, and they, they stopped really taking risks because they, and they, they focused really like you know what what do the immediate what will immediately get us ratings to get us bumped up into the you know to be a really premium channel. And while they were focused on that, they lost sight of think- the types of shows that like The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones um, showed that you know science fiction speculative fiction TV could really succeed on TV. So they, those are shows that should have been on the Sci Fi Channel, but they just either didn't have the infrastructure, money, or um, willingness to take the risk for it. So, um,
0: all right, cool. So, and so, Raphael, you mentioned that you did Star Runners. Are there any other kind of science fiction oriented projects you're working on, or any just any other projects you're working on that you want to let people know about?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, Star Runners is one of about two dozen movies I did for sci-fi, and that was a really good period. Um, There's a lot of fun stuff in there, but right now I've been trying to get some other personal projects off the ground. Uh, I just wrote this one script with this buddy of mine. It's kind of behind Enemy Lines meets Starship Troopers, a sci-fi military thing, so it should be a lot of fun. I'm also working on this other project that you could basically pitch as Red Planet meets Rain of Fire, so that should be pretty cool too. Um, I guess next up I've got an adaptation of Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea coming out. So um, yeah, I guess that's about it. Other than that, just been working with uh, some Machinima guys, the Superpower Beatdown crew. If you don't watch those, those are a lot of fun. You should check it out. I uh, I worked on the Batman vs. Darth Vader one and that that was a lot of fun um yeah the one thing i still really want to do david at some point is adapt your short they go bump that's still one of the best things i've read and i think that'd be genius if uh, we can get that going somehow some way someday that'd be cool
0: is there any way our listeners could help make that happen
2: you know what i guess we're just gonna have to shoot a trailer crowdfund it i don't know but we got to get that made somehow that's a great story man
0: everyone's always said it would make a great movie except for the fact that all the characters are invisible but we can do it yeah well, I've been trying to wrap
2: my mind around that for like five years, but I think you know there's probably a solution out
0: there. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. And so, uh, Andrew, do you have any uh, just uh, any other projects you want to mention? Any final
1: words? Well, I'm um, I'm the editor for sorry, the weekend editor for IO9. So I I sort of do some regular things there. Right now, I'm running a series on uh, building Stormtrooper armor, um, <laughs> so, which has been a lot of fun to do, and it's keeping me on on track. Um, I'm also I write for Kirkus Reviews. I have a, um, a column on science fiction history that I've been writing for the past couple of years, and that's coming along nicely. I'm, I'm hoping to turn that into a book at some point. Um, and um, I think the only other real project I have in the works is I have a, a short story of mine is going to be turned into an um, audio podcast at some point in the near future from Starship Sofa.
0: All right, great. So, yes, we're all out of time, so I think we're going to have to wrap things up there. So we've been speaking with Andrew Liptak and Raphael Jordan. So guys, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you you very much.
0: And that was our panel. So big thanks again to Andrew Liptak and Raphael Jordan for joining us on the show. Big thanks as well to Jason Pearson and Borgish, who both just signed up this week to support us on Patreon. Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is made possible thanks to support from listeners like you. So if you enjoy the show and want it to continue please sign up to give us a dollar or two per episode over at patreon.com slash geeks. And if you'd prefer to make a one-time or fixed monthly contribution, you can do that via PayPal over at geeksguideshow.com slash crowdfunding. And I'd like to give a special thank you to Oz Penguin in Australia, who just made a very generous contribution to the show. So big thanks again to everyone who's contributed. We really appreciate it. I'd also like to thank our sponsor for today's show, Casper Mattress. Remember that if you do decide to order a mattress, you should visit casper.com galaxy and use the promo code galaxy. All right, so that was our show. So thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time.
1: The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is a production of Wired.com. For more information about the show...